Hey there, podcast listeners. We have a special treat for you today. Uh, about four times a year, we have what we call a kid-friendly sermon. Uh, it happens during school holidays. And basically, I pitch the sermon such that the kids really get the first half and uh, I, I make some extra comments to the adults at the end. It's an unusual kind of sermon, but it's one that seems to work for our congregation and I hope it's of benefit to you too. Anyway, here's the sermon. Father God in heaven, please help us today to learn things about you that perhaps we hadn't realised before, to remember things that we've forgotten, to repent of things that we should never have done or should never have been doing and Lord God, would you please leave a lasting impression on us this morning as we seek to learn of and love and live for you in all of our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, um, sometimes, this is where I'm going to begin, sometimes we get so afraid that we do some very silly things, sometimes. Uh, Kids, that's what we need to talk about from the Bible this morning, from that story with Abraham. Uh, Sometimes we get so afraid of people or of things or of what might happen that we kind of forget about God and we do silly and even sinful things. But, but, God, our Father, is faithful and He can still forgive even that. Uh, Have you got that? So, even when we fear all sorts of stuff and forget about God, even then, turn back to God because He is forgiving and He is faithful and He is a Father to us. Now, come back with me. I don't know if some of you have got your Bibles open in front of you on your laps there. I can't quite see, but it'll come up on the screen anyway. Come back with me in our Bibles, folks, grown-ups and children together, uh, right back to the very start of the Bible. Now, uh, for, this is a question for the kids. Grown-ups, please don't spoil this. Um, kids, what is... Two, I've got two questions. What is the first book of the Bible? Yes, Charlie. Genesis, brilliant. And someone else, what are the first words of the first book of the Bible? Christo. In the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yes, brilliant. So, in the beginning... Uh, God, remember, Genesis tells us God made the world, um, He lovingly made our world and He made us in the world to love Him and to love one another and to love the world and to care for it and all of that sort of thing. Now, what happened next? We, sadly, pretty much right from the start, sinned and stuffed it up uh, and God's good world has been spoiled and sinful ever since. It's still good but we've sure messed it up. Um, And uh, nevertheless, God promised to save us and to make this world great again. Um, And God promised it, didn't He? He promised it to Adam and Eve. He promised it to Noah. And really big time, He promised it to the man that we're up to in Genesis at the moment, to Abraham in all sorts of ways. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, God said. And you and Sarah together, you two, you're going to have a baby, Isaac, and through Isaac's great, 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 great grandson, I'm going to save the world and make this place great. Now, who is that great, great grand? Christo again. 
Jesus, excellent, very good, yes. So Abraham and Sarah were going to have Isaac and God made these promises and through that line, eventually, uh, Jesus would come. And that's kind of the whole Bible's um, storyline altogether. But for them, back then, all, they didn't know about all of that. For now, Abraham, it was just this, Abraham, you and Sarah, you stick together. You stick together because I'm going to save the world, yes, but first, you guys are going to need a baby. You're going to need this one to start it and then eventually get down to Jesus. That's where it's going to start. Husband and wife, Abraham and Sarah, together, great, yes, brilliant, we're on the right track until one day Abraham said, actually, no. Okay. So, kids, take a look with me. It happened one day, Genesis chapter 20, it happened when they were moving house, actually. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. Now, Abraham, are you reading along with me? Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, these two places. For a while, they stayed in Gerar and that's where it all happened. And there, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, get this, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, oh, she's my sister. Do you see? He doesn't say, no, 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 no matter what, husband and wife, together, just like God said. No, no, instead, oh, pretend she's my sister. Now, why? Why did he do that? Well, it's because he said to himself, uh, I'm pretty sure Abimelech, that's the king here, I'm pretty sure Abimelech is going to want you, Sarah, to be his wife. I'm pretty sure Abimelech is going to take you, and if I'm in his way, he's just going to kill me. So, I will, we'll just pretend, you're just, you're my sister, do you see? Let's have a look. And there, Genesis 20, verse 2, and there Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, she is my sister, sure enough. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. Don't know what Sarah thought of that, doesn't tell us actually. Uh, But hang on, this is a mess. God is going to save and He's going to save through Abraham and Sarah together. That was the promise. There's the promise. But now, what, is it Abimelech and Sarah? That's not the promise. Is it going to be Abraham and someone else? No, no, no. That's not the promise. So, do you know what God did? Verse 3. Have a look. Genesis 20, verse 3, but God came to Abimelech, that's that king, in a dream one night. God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman that you've taken. She is a married woman. Do you see that? Abraham forgot about God, but did God forget about Abraham? Good answer. Abraham forgot about God, Now, here's the question, is Abimelech going to forget about God too? Will he forget about God when the dream is gone? You see, God came to Abimelech in a dream one night, so is Abimelech just going to forget about it all? When the morning comes, hang on, Christo, I'm going to give away the answer, so I'm sure you know it because you were paying attention before, but uh, is Abimelech, you know, when the sun comes up, do you ever have that discussion around the breakfast table sometimes of, oh, I had this terrible dream last night? I'm glad that's gone. Is that what Abimelech's going to do? Let's have a look. Will he forget about God? Just a bad dream. And will he go back to Abimelech and Sarah? Let's see. Genesis 20 verse 8. 
early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all of his officials and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. He didn't forget, did he? Abimelech fears God and forgets about his own plans of Abimelech and Sarah. No, Abimelech fears God, forgets about his plans. Abraham, the one with all of the promises and all of the plans of God, he feared Abimelech and he forgot about God. (laughs) This has all gone very wrong indeed. It's all the wrong way around. Abraham was God's man in this story. Shouldn't he have remembered God? Shouldn't he have feared God? Shouldn't he have trusted God? Anyway, God made sure uh, and, and he stuck to what God had promised Abraham and Sarah. And so, a little bit further down in the story, in verse 14, uh, we see, then Abimelech returned Sarah to Abraham and Abimelech said, my land is before you, live wherever you like. So, Sarah has now come back to Abraham and Abimelech, this king that Abraham thought maybe was going to kill him or something, said, no, no, you live wherever you like. See what God's done? Now, kids, a couple of things, a couple of things before we pray. Firstly, sometimes, like Abraham, God's own people, even us, we forget about God because we're too scared. We're scared of other people, we're too scared of what might happen, we're too scared that it'll all go bad. And so we forget about God and His ways and we decide we're going to live our way. We're going to do what we think is going to be best. We decide we're not going to live His way. So maybe we've decided, well, I am more afraid of, think about this, I am more afraid of that kid at school or of that kid at school ignoring me. And so I'll do whatever it takes to get her to like me, to get her to notice me, even if God wouldn't like whatever it takes. Maybe we've decided that living God's way is just going to get embarrassing or just get a little bit hard or I'll get bullied or if I I live God's way, there's no way I'm going to pass this test. Do you see? It happens, sadly. That's the first thing. But secondly, I've got to say... It is kind of crazy that we fear anyone more than we fear God, isn't it? Uh, So Jesus, much, much later, obviously, Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, his followers, uh, he said this to them. He once said, do not be afraid of people. This is Matthew chapter 10. You can check it out later. Do not be afraid of people who can only kill your body. Rather, be afraid of God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's a scary way of putting it, isn't it? Don't be afraid of people, they can only kill your body. Worry about God, He can not only kill your body but send you to hell. Whoa, whoa, that's a a scary way of putting it. But then, Jesus reminds them of something far more tender. He goes on, God isn't just scary, no, God cares about us. In fact, God cares about every one of His little ones. In fact, God cares about everything in His world, even the tiniest little bird. Listen to the example He goes on with. So the very next verse, verse 29 of Matthew chapter 10, are not two sparrows, you know sparrows? (laughs) Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father, God. And even the very hairs of your head, think about that, are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. 
What's Jesus saying there? Is God fearsome? Of course he is. He's God. But does he love us? More than you can ever know. More than you can ever imagine. He sent Jesus to come and save us. That is how much he loves us. He loves us no matter what. So number three, lastly, remember, God forgave faithful Abraham. Sorry, forgetful Abraham. That's the point, isn't it? God could save forgetful Abraham and he can save you. No matter what you fear, no matter how long you've forgotten him, turn back to him. Now, can we pray together? I find it helps if we put our hands together, maybe close our eyes, helps us to concentrate. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, none of us can say that we've perfectly lived for you, all of us have done things that we know we shouldn't have and wish we didn't and hope we never do again and we did it because we were too scared of people or of what they'd do or not do or how they'd see us or maybe how they'd talk about us or maybe how they wouldn't talk about us or of what terrible thing would happen if we didn't sin or cheat or lie. God, please forgive us. All thanks to Jesus. Thank you that Jesus always walked in your ways, always, even to the cross. And thank you that we're forgiven thanks to him. Thank you so much that you're faithful, so much more faithful than us, and that you save even when we're forgetful or downright sinful. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, grown-ups. Well, I say grown-ups... But frankly, most of you kids can follow along as well, can't you, really? Um, as an overall comment, I want to say, Genesis 20, it contains this deep irony, doesn't it? Um, I remember being a kid um, in my teens, I think I was, and I was on a camp. There were a couple of hundred people there uh, on this camp, a couple of hundred other kids. And as I, remember, I might have told you this story before. We'd had this extremely exhausting day. It had been cold, we'd spent most of the day outside and we're all lined up there for dinner. Oh, dinner. Oh, best thing in the world. When after a long, tired, cold day, there we were. But massive long line, a couple of hundred kids, as I recall. And anyway, it, there we were and it, dinner seemed to be taking for absolute ever... And uh, right in front of everyone, right there, when we're all lined up, brazen as you like, this other young bloke skipped from his place way back in line all the way up past me to his mates, right near the front of the line. Now, I'm not sure what you think of dobbing. To be honest, I don't think much of dobbing nowadays. But I'm ashamed to say I dobbed on him. And lo and behold, he was sent all the way, way back past where he was in line, to the very back of the line, right to the very back. And smug, self-righteous me enjoyed my dinner and frankly tried to avoid him like the plague for the rest of the evening. But what I'm even more deeply ashamed of is that it was him and not me I mean, I was a Christian at this stage and and I should have known better, but it was him and not me who tried to reconcile. He came straight up to me, calm and humble and contrite and he wanted to smooth it all over. 
And the thing is, sometimes God's people are just outclassed by people who neither know the Gospel nor love the Lord Jesus. And Abimelech asked Abraham, this is verse 10 of chapter 20, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place and they'll kill me because of my wife. And the irony being, of course, that the one place in the land that lacked the fear of the Lord, it wasn't the king. No, do you remember them on the morning that uh, Abimelech woke up? Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials and they were very much afraid. (laughs) No, the one place that lacked fear of the Lord was inside Abraham's heart. And some of you will remember, of course, that this is the second time that Abraham has pulled this stunt. The second time that he's passed Sarah off as his sister. The second time that he's put her dignity, perhaps even her life, on the line. Last time was down in Egypt in Genesis chapter 12, the back half of that, right after the massive promises of God. Do you remember that? This is the second time that Abraham has put the promises of God on the line. Why? Because he feared. He feared what might happen. So, to our shame, the fear of the world, very often, too often, trumps our fear of the Lord. And I've just got three reflections, three things to bring before you uh, on that topic. Number one, do you fear the Lord or do you fear what might happen? Um, Kent Hughes describes Abraham's kind of self-talk like this. Kent Hughes, he says, accompanying such sins, as passing Sarah off as his sister, accompanying such sins are inarticulate musings like, Lord, I trust you, but I just want to make sure that things work out right. Have we ever prayed that faithless prayer? Perhaps it's why, against your better judgment, when you're in their company, you find yourself testing the limits of what's actually sin. Do you know the mindset that I'm talking about? Maybe the jokes that you're willing to make in their company, the not-so-friendly jibes that you would never make in others' company. Maybe it's the alcohol, maybe it's the gossip. You feel that gossip cements your place amongst them. Perhaps fear of what might happen is why you're less generous and less kind than you'd like to be and maybe that you kind of know you ought to be because I fear what might happen and so I just want to make sure that things work out right and I have to be responsible and I need to make sure that I'm secure. Perhaps it's why you're in over your head, frankly, in that relationship because if I don't, then I'll lose him, won't I? Perhaps it's why you're in that particular relationship at all, which you know wasn't really entered into in the fear of the Lord, but in the fear of what would happen if I didn't. Now, I know that for some of you, in the kindness of God, and I just want to say this, praise God that it's worked out okay on that front, um, because that is a kindness of God to us. But it doesn't sanctify where it began, you know, Lord, I trust you, but... I guess I'm saying, as as the young ones grow up amongst us, can we still say, don't fear, don't take matters into your own hands, fear the Lord and are we modelling that for them? 
Do we fear the Lord or do we fear what might happen? Secondly, when fear of the world does come in on whatever front, when fear of the world comes in on whatever front, how do we drive it back out? Now, this is interesting, actually, because both in Genesis but also in Matthew chapter 10, the answer isn't just, wasn't just raw fear of the judgment of God, was it? That wasn't what it was, actually, just, I mean, yes, that was an element of it, but that wasn't the whole picture. So, in Matthew, Jesus follows up, doesn't he, with God's tender care. He knows every single hair on your head. But in Genesis, have a look, it's just this little detail, but God doesn't, at the end of the story, He doesn't threaten, He doesn't hold judgment over Abraham and Sarah to kind of put the fear of the Lord back into them. But have a look, especially with regard to Sarah, right at the very end. So, from verse 16, as Abimelech's restoring things, verse 16, to Sarah, Abimelech said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver, this is to cover the offence against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech his wife and his slave girls, so that they could have children again. For, and we only discover this now, for the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. The language there is really, it's telling. So, that bit where God heals the wombs that He had closed... Just cast your mind back in the life of Sarah and Abraham. I don't expect you to remember this, but uh, the, the moment where Sarah responded to this discovery that God was going to give Abraham kids. Do you remember how she responded to that? In disbelief and it ended up with Abraham sleeping with Hagar. Genesis 16 verse 2 literally says, since this Sarah speaking, since the Lord has closed me from having children. Do you see That's what she felt, she felt that this was this impossible thing that could not be overcome and now in chapter 20, it is this gracious reminder, this display, closed wombs, Sarah, you need not fear. Brothers and sisters, when the fear of the world, the fear of what might happen, when that comes in on us, remember this, our Heavenly Father isn't just a a fearsome judge, He is. He isn't just faithful, He is. He is powerful to save and He can absolutely do it. Philippians 4 verse 4, you know the verse, rejoice in the Lord always. This is Paul from prison, in chains, looking down the barrel of his death, rejoice in the Lord, I'll say it again, rejoice. Further down he says, don't be anxious about anything. Paul in chains, don't be anxious about anything. Paul who had everything to fear, what might happen? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, says Paul. Not the fear of God's judgment, but the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you're facing at the moment, but how can you drive out your fear? Fear about the future? Fear of what people will say? Fear that is maybe driving you to make ridiculous mistakes in your life and you know it. Well, if we take a leaf out of Paul's book, we'd rejoice in the Lord's loving salvation and we'd lay it before Him in prayer. I have yet to meet a chronic worrier who enjoys an excellent prayer life, says Don Carson. I have yet to meet a chronic worrier 
who enjoys an excellent prayer life. Do we fear the Lord or what might happen? What do we do when the fear of the world comes in on us? Lastly, finally, I'd like to conclude with a bit of a hypothetical, a what if. Just imagine. Uh, so, what if, here's my, here's my hypothetical, just imagine if Abraham had met Abimelech, knowing now what we know about Abimelech, imagine if Abraham had met Abimelech in faith instead of in fear. Imagine how that would have gone. So, Abimelech, who shows that he responded to uh, the Lord in fear when the opportunity presented itself by God's grace to him, how would it have been if he came, if Abraham came proclaiming the blessings of God instead of baloney about being Sarah's brother? Just before the sermon, we read these verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what's due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, says Paul, we try to persuade men. You see that? The fear of the Lord fuels evangelism. Imagine how it could have been if Abraham had fronted up to Abimelech on the front foot and said, you know what? I know about God blessing this world and it's going to be through me. Do you want in? How amazing that would have been, how different that would have been. Instead, he's on the back foot and he's a story of forgetting God. The fear of God fuels evangelism, whereas the fear of man squashes it. Further on in 2 Corinthians, for Christ's love compels us, says Paul, because we convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, and if he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Further down, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, the fear of God, the love of Christ, it fuels, it compels, it drives us to speak of Jesus. Yes, it drives us away from sin, drives us toward repentance, but the fear of the Lord fuels evangelism, fuels sharing our faith. Even us who have been outclassed in our behaviour as Christians, may we find our fuel for sharing our faith, not in ourselves, but in the tender saving love of God for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, His unwavering faithfulness, as it was in Gerar, as it even is in Hobart, among my friends and yours in our families and even when we failed. Can we pray together? Our Father in heaven, we ask you please to extend your mercy to us. Yes, as sinners, as wanderers, prone to leave the God we love. But Father, you who know our every hair, our every inclination and fear, too often the highest thing on our agenda is us, not you, not your mission to the world, not the salvation of the lost. Too often we've asked what we can get from others instead of how we can point them to Christ or help them or bless them. Lord, please work in us a radical other person-centeredness, a self-forgetfulness that was sorely lacking in Abraham that was surprisingly found in Abimelech,
but has been perfectly modelled for us in our Lord Jesus Christ, who for our sakes came from the glory of heaven to the lowly cross for us and for our salvation. May he be our guide as we face our fears this week. In Jesus' name, Amen.